The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. One of my favorite topics to discuss on The Dealer Playbook by far is how each of us has more power, capacity, ingenuity, and brilliance than perhaps we give ourselves the credit for. Sure, we could talk forever about the same old car dealership topics week after week. Chip shortages, used car pricing, sales tactics, the list goes on. But let's get real for a minute. The best tactics in the world will not work unless you do. And I don't mean that just in the way of performing your job duties. I mean, how are you working? How's your mental health? How's your perspective, your gratitude, your outlook, your mindset? The best tactics in the world won't work unless you do. That's why we like to weave these real world conversations like the one I'm about to have with Erica um, with the in dealership kind of tactical kind of information. That's why we do it. Now, each of us has a story. Each of us also has barriers that are getting in the way of our individual definitions of success. And that needs to end today, my beloved DPB gang. You're better than that. You can do more. Now, inside the store, there's a lot of different obstacles. Maybe you're, you're spinning out. Maybe you feel like growth isn't going to happen, or maybe there's just no hope for growth. Maybe it's you, you feel it's leaders or leaders feel like it's the team and nobody's buying in and everybody's just chasing their tail, right? Um, maybe, maybe the obstacle or the barrier is you're just not sure how to address the rapidly changing uh, car shopping environment with tech companies like Carvana and Vroom and Canada Drives forcefully entering the marketplace, right? Whatever the case may be, whatever the trial is or the obstacle is, our guest today is a shining example of how trials can lead to triumph. I'm joined by someone that I'm deeply impressed by. She's the co-founder of the Women of Color Automotive Network, which was founded to attract, support, connect, and empower women of color in the automotive industry. Erica Tiffany, welcome to the Dealer Playbook. Michael, it is a pleasure and an honor, and I have been waiting for this day. <laughs> we, we, you and me both. This is this is one of my highly anticipated conversations. I'm so glad you're here. And first of all, congratulations on your uh, recognition of the 40 under 40 for what, what is it? What do we call it? The class of 2021. Class of 2021. Thank you so much. It is an honor and I am humbled to be among so many automotive greats and just thankful for the nomination. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. And and I mean, that it's one of many things that just add to this um, very um, endearing and relatable story that you have where you know, I, I don't want to say rags to riches, but for lack of better words, this concept of 
I'm, I'm at a point in my life that I'm not particularly happy with, but I can create. I don't have to be acted upon. I can be the actor. I can be the one performing the creation. Um, you've had certainly a tremendous career up to this point, and I'd love to just kind of dig in a little bit. How did you get, I mean, what was the process? It says you had no previous experience. You went from changing diapers at a daycare. <laughs> what, what, tell, tell me about this. How, how I'm do still, you get I'm from still diapers changing to... diapers at the dealership. Trust me. <laughs> it's a whole lot of babysitting going on. So I had good experience there. And that's with the um, ownership or what? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting me in trouble. <laughs> so Michael, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 19 years old. You know, I have had my daughter young. I'm working at a daycare because I can't afford to work anywhere else. And I'm having car trouble. And when you're making $6 an hour, car trouble is detrimental. It's, it's the difference between eating. It's the difference between deciding if you're going to pay your rent. And that was kind of the catalyst. I remember walking into a Midas and I'm sitting there and they're telling me it's going to be my alternator. And, you know, it might've been 200 bucks, but at that time in my, it could have been 20,000 because I didn't have it. And I'm crying and I'm upset and I'm trying to figure it out. And I told the guy, and I'll never forget, his name is Al. I said, I'll do some marketing for you guys if you will just give me a chance to, to figure out how to get this paid and give me some, you know, installment plan. He kind of looks at me and he's like, marketing? I said, I'll do oil change coupons. I work at a daycare. I said, I see so many different families coming in and out. I can do an oil change coupon and I can get the word out there if you'll just help me out. And it must have been God because he, he says, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. Mm. And I still have a copy of that $11.99 oil change coupon that we started back then. But that was the beginning of my, my car relationship. I worked at that daycare for about two more years and that shop owner and I became friends. I ended up taking my car back and forth to get it, you know, repairs done over the years. And he decided he wanted to start his own shop, a Napa. And he came to me, I was making $8 an hour at this time. I'd been at the daycare a couple of years and I've gotten promoted, right? I'm in big money. I'm making $8 an hour. And he says, I'm going to start a Napa and I want you to come work my front desk. And so I'm thinking a receptionist job, this is fantastic, except for it wasn't a receptionist job. I was a service writer. It was a small three-base shop, and I was going to be the one ordering parts. I was going to be the one talking to the technicians, finding out the repair orders. I was using all data on a CD, you know, putting it in the computer to get the, get the labor times. I mean, it was, it was the beginning of a start where I realized that there was more to me than I was, I was capable of more than I'd given myself credit for. And it's those limitations sometimes that lacking in our mindset that allows us to believe that we are our circumstances. Here I am. I have no degree. I'm, I have my GED. I'm a young mom and I don't think anyone else will hire me, right? Because I don't have the skills because I don't have the reputation because I don't have the history. It's very interesting now because I'll talk to dealers who will say, well, Erica, how do I find someone like you? I want to hire a you. And I'm like, well, would you have hired me 15 years ago? Because I don't look like the me now that I am here today, like I did then. Would you bring someone in with no experience, with a GED, with a young daughter? Because that's the opportunity that we have to give people today because that's where it all started. Mm. I wrote attitude over skill set, and I think you're absolutely right. But I want to, can we go back maybe even just a bit further? Because what I'm so impressed by is you're in a situation where on your toes, you're like, wait, here's a solution. Can we work a deal? And we don't see that on mass. We do see a little bit of it. And of course, the individuals that display that kind of fight 
you know, um, they're the ones that stand out. They're the ones that we all see. What is that something that's always been a piece of you or did that come out when you felt like your back was against the wall? Well, Michael, when you're at the gas station and you're digging in the backseat of your car to find coins, because that's the only way you're going to have a dollar and 50 cents enough to make it just one more day till you get your check on Friday. Mm-hmm. You're at the edge of resourcefulness. And I think people forget that when you are pushed at the edge of resourcefulness, where everything that you have is counting on this moment, you figure something out. You figure a way how to make it happen. You find an opportunity. And sometimes we get comfy. We get cozy. We get complacent. And we forget what that desperation looks like. You know, I, I hate to liken it to to uh, to people who are, have addictions. But think of someone who has an addiction, right? Whether it's drugs or it's alcohol. They're going to find a way to get one more smoke, one more drink, one more cigarette. If it's standing on the side of the road, if it's stealing, if it's something, right? When you're on that edge of resourcefulness, you figure out the way to make it happen. And as a young mom with very little resources, to me, I just needed to make sure my daughter had one more meal, one more week, one more month. Uh, and that has stuck with me uh, from then till now. Man, I, I love that. And it, it blows me away because I think you're absolutely correct. I think through my own story, the the concept of being surrounded by a group of people who would complain that they didn't have enough to go buy groceries and hoping that I can show empathy for them when I'm literally working all day at a retail job and then getting in the car, changing into a pizza delivery, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. outfit and then delivering pizzas until two, three in the morning and being exhausted. And and you're right. You do what it takes when your feet are held to the fire, so to speak. I love that you use the word resourcefulness. Let me ask you this. Here, here's my opinion. I will say this is my opinion. I'm not projecting it on anybody here, but I, I really do think, especially in North America, our, and this is generally speaking, that our our affluence, how good it is to live in North America has actually made us weak in some regards because it's stripped us of what you've just talked about, this, this, this I got to do something. How do we instill that in this next generation and perhaps even for those coming into the car business? It's interesting you say that. It's something I say to my children and, and one of my mentors said to me that you can't teach hunger. You can only feed it. And when you think of this, this hunger that comes from not having, from lack, right? It's the very, think of a baby, right? Their first instinct is to nurse, is to cry, is to be fed, right? You can't teach a baby to eat. They say you can't bring a horse to water, right? It's the same concept. That hunger is already inside of you. And that voice to me is kind of like a frequency, It's always there. It's just have you tuned out the noise, right? What is the noise, the distractions, the TV, our phones, the internet, you know, the luxuries of life become a distraction, but our very innate nature as human beings is to exist and to thrive and to survive. So finding that piece of you in that survival mode, uh, sometimes you have to strip yourself of the things that make you comfortable. You've got to leave your job. You've got to leave a bad relationship. You know, you got to step out on faith and do things that make you uncomfortable. And especially in the automotive industry, comfort is uh, prevalent, right? We get comfortable. We get loyal to things and situations and people. um, And we forget our passion and our purpose and the very things that made us hungry in the first place. 
most of us talk about how we fell into the automotive industry, right? It wasn't one of those things that we checked off in high school and said, I'm going to get into the car business. So that being said, there was something inside of you prior to that, that had you this desire that said the automotive industry could feed that, right? Whether it was money, whether it was success, you know, what was it for me was feeding my kid. That was it. I didn't care about the car business. I didn't care about cars. I wanted to feed my kid. And if this was a means to that, then I would use that as the catalyst until I grew to love it. Until I grew to believe in the fact that helping people and that I could make change and that I didn't want to just make a dollar. I wanted to, you know, make a difference. Ooh, I love this. In, in the DPB pro group, it's a closed group that I have. It's not a big group, 150 or so people in this group. Um, as a companion to the podcast, we had a conversation that you just made me think of because we look at individuals in our industry who stand out the, um, Ali Rita's or Frank Crinity's, the, you know, Carrie Reese Wise and yes. Erica Tiffany's and, you know, Patrice, who I've also had on the show. And there's this, there's this, each have something in common and it's this element that you're talking about. And, and it's this hunger. And, and the interesting thing is we keep coming back to in this industry, especially on the, on the front lines, I hear it a lot. I'm only selling 12 cars a month. I have no clue what I'm going to do to get to 20. I don't even feel like it's possible. And then you say, well, look, here's what Ali Rita does. Here's what now Erica Tiffany's to listen to Erica's story. Look at what she did. Right. Oh man, you know, that, that sounds like it's going to take a long time. <laughs> and I can't help but think all we got is time. All we got is time. We're here anyways. Do something. You know, so I think this is tremendous. So you go from diapers at a daycare to um, an, uh, doing coupons and marketing to uh, a service writer at a Napa store. But now I'm going to fast forward a bit. Now, all of a sudden, how do you find yourself developing the first pilot BDC for Audi of America? Unbelievable. You know, and I, I credit everything to God, right? It's just, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day for a resume, a copy of my resume, because they wanted to kind of mimic my structure. And I said, you know what? I haven't had a resume in probably 15 years. Wow. And I say, I don't say that to brag, but what I'm telling you is that I've been in a unique opportunity to be attracted to the next opportunity um, because one led to another that led to another. And I hadn't had to go back into the automotive uh, industry and look for a job because the next job always came. And so I'm sitting at this event and uh, I'll never forget. I was working for Adam Goldfine at the show doing a radio show. And I saw this guy from Audi come up and he was going to get a commercial, some airtime. And he literally reads a brochure and he's talking about the Audi and the horsepower. And it was the most boring thing in his 30 seconds. And I said, who does your marketing? Because why? He's like, I'm a porter. I said, you're a porter. He said, yeah, I brought the car to the, to the, to this event. And I'm just supposed to read off the brochure. I said, they sent a porter to read off of a brochure at an Audi event. I'm like, okay, this makes no sense. I said, give your GM my card and tell him I'll help him out with his marketing. I meet the guy and he's like, I want you. I don't care what it takes. I want you to come work for me. And of course I'm working for another guy right now. And I'm like, look, I'm doing this marketing and branding. I had gotten out of the automotive business. I was doing car buying advice on a radio show, teaching people how to buy cars, how to not get ripped off. And I'm like, I'm cush. I don't work on Friday and on Saturday and Sunday anymore. I get off at five o'clock, right? I'm living the non-retail life. Cause at yeah. that point I had stopped working at the buy here, pay here, working 12 hours a day, running the bottom of my shoes off. And I decided that wasn't the life I wanted to live. But there was something about his desperation and his want to change and to make a difference and said, I think you're the missing piece of my puzzle. 
And that's, that sparked me. That got me excited again. And I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to give up the weekends. I'm going to give up the getting off at five o'clock and I'm going to go back into retail. And that's how I started working at Audi. Um, they needed a BDC at the time. They brought, they flew their people in from Herndon to interview me. And they said, you're the perfect person. We're going to let you pilot this thing. And that was like the beginning of the end. Uh, you know, at that point, my career took off into a completely different direction. And I ended up staying with Audi for almost seven years. Wow. Here's what's impressive about all of this. And, and uh, you know, when I, when I had Carrie on the show, um, I said, I got to get real here because I, I think the, the, the way forward through a lot of the trials that we face in the industry, most of which um, continue to kind of just linger under the surface is to just talk about them head on. So not only are you doing this with fire and hunger and, 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 you know, just making a name for yourself to the point of being sought after, not being the one seat, like just living in an abundance mindset. But you're also doing that navigating uh, an industry that still currently is very predominantly male driven. Absolutely. Um, where we have not had a lot of conversations about diversity and inclusion and and gender bias and and all of these sorts of things. So I can only imagine that you're also dealing with all of that. And what's your mindset where, as you're going through this, are you make, is it an issue for you? Are you, are you also in the moment, I would say, kind of saying, I'm not even going to deal with that right now. Cause I got to, I got to follow a course. It's a combination of both. So the course is there, but there's these obstacles and they're everywhere you look. Every single day, I'm reminded that there's no one in my dealership that looks like me, that I'm the only woman at the table. Um, and it's a table that the first time I was brought into, but ever since then, I had to force myself to get there, to sit there, to speak up, to talk about things that I had no idea about because I wanted them to know that I'm in the room. My voice matters. My thoughts matter. I'll, I'll never forget I had won a contest to, to Budapest with Audi uh, as one of the top sales performers. And I'm sitting in Budapest. I'm right. I've never been first class before. Right. I'm, I'm sitting first class. I get off this plane. They got my name on this little card. Erica, you know, the, they get you in a nice limo. And I get to this award ceremony where they're recognizing in the top 10 sales managers in the Southeast region. And I'm sitting there in Europe going, this is amazing. And I see all white men. And I'm like, wow, you know, how did I get to this place? And this guy comes up and he says, hey, where's your husband? And I'm, I'm like, excuse me? He's like, where's your husband? Uh, the one who won the award. And I said, no, it's me. I won the, I mean, I have the badge. Do you not see it? And I said, even in this moment, when I could reach the top of, of one of my career epitomes, I'm here in this foreign country in Europe, among the elite of the Audi sales managers. And even in that moment, I was seen as maybe somebody's wife that came along to join the trip. Wow. And I said, you know what? I have work to do because I have to make seeing women like me in this position, in these opportunities, winning these awards seem normal, seem okay, seem regular. And until then, WOCAN will exist because, right, we have to take the opportunity to do deliberate diversity, you know, intentional inclusion, because people say, I want to change the industry, but everybody has the same mindset, right? We, we, we hire people that look like us. We hire people that remind us of us because that's what we're comfortable with. And that's our circle, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But then how do you change the very thread of something when everybody who's thinking about it and talking about it are all the same? 
It's mm-hmm. only until you bring in a different pattern, someone who has been on the edge of resourcefulness, right? Someone who sees life differently because I've had to, because I didn't have a choice, because I knew what it was like to not have, to have my lights turned off, to have my rent not being paid, to trying to figure out, you know, can I get a roommate just to make sure I have a roof over my head? I understand what that looks like. And because I never want to be there again, then every decision that I make is one step out of that hole, is one more step to the next level and to the next level. I was telling my salespeople this story about stone soup, right? Because I said, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And here we are where everybody's thinking of lack. I don't have and we don't have inventory. We don't have cars. We have nothing. I said, and the story of, of stone soup is about a guy who takes a stone and he goes into this village and he goes, and he knocks on someone's door and he says, hey, I want to make some soup. And they said, no, no, you know, we have nothing. He's like, well, I see you have carrots out here in your yard. Those are my carrots. You can't have none. So he goes to the next door and they have potatoes. And he's like, hey, you have potatoes. Let's make some soup. And they're like, no, these are my potatoes potatoes. It's we're in the middle of a famine, you know, get out of my lawn. And so everywhere he goes, everybody just kept telling him no. So he finally knocks on a door and he says, I have stone. She says, get away. I'm not giving you anything. He says, I just want to make stone soup. All I need is a bowl. Just give me a bowl. So she goes in, she gets him a bowl and they make a pot and she puts the hot water in and he starts to say, can I just have some spices? I don't want anything else from you. I just want some spices. So he starts to put the salt and the pepper and the basil in there and it's just a stone and water and it starts to smell good. And he says, you know what would make this a little bit better? Is some vegetables. Do you have any vegetables around? She's like, well, yeah, I got some corn. So she puts the corn in and it's just water and a stone and corn. And then next thing you know, other people start knocking saying, we smell something good in the neighborhood. What is that smell? And he says, well, hey, bring your carrots and bring your potatoes. And next thing you know, the entire village is bringing their their resources, right? The, the lack that they only had one of because no one wanted to share. And they're bringing it into this pot and we're mixing it all together. And now we have a soup. Now we have something that's hearty. Now we have something that can feed the entire village. Now we have something that's going to make people healthy. But in the beginning, we had nothing because we were too selfish and self-centered because we were holding on what we had because we were greedy and desperate and we couldn't see the bigger vision. And we took nothing, literally a stone, a rock and created something out of it that could feed everyone. But it took an idea and it took faith and it took a vision. And that's what we need more of people with vision who can understand that in hard times, you get the best out of people. I love that. Um, And it it really is a testament to the importance of of gratitude. Gratitude is the first word that comes to my mind, because I really believe that gratitude shifts the lens by which we see the world from a lack to Oh, abundance. Absolutely. The, the, the stone soup chef realized that abundance can compound and it can turn into something. There's, yes. there's more in my control than I realize. Even when I feel like nothing's in my control, there's still something in my control. And it's right. inside my, it's, it's, it's what happens between these beautiful ears, you know? Absolutely. And I love that. And I, and I love that there are leaders like you, not just in our industry, but out in the world making an impact. It's funny to me, you know, I've had this thought recently. Everybody's gravitated to platforms like Clubhouse because they think there's so many people here. I can make an impact. Right. And I tend to think more along the lines of what you just shared. You, You didn't say I went to Clubhouse to share with my salespeople. You said I went to my salespeople. They're right here. These people are in front of me. How do I have an impact? I have an impact by the people around me, my children, my, my significant other, my team. And, and if that compounds just like stone soup, 
we have something. I think that's tremendous. You know, it makes me also think about my time in the Philippines. Um, I went and lived in the Philippines for two years. I did missionary work there, humanitarian service and stuff like that. And I was young and I, I would say I was pretty sheltered. I lived in a rural, rural community in British Columbia, Canada, which by the way, did not have much in the way of ethnic diversity, right? <laughs> right. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the only white dude <laughs> surrounded right. by 82 million brown people, short, right. skinny, muscular. And here right. I am, and I'm not tall, I'm five foot seven with what I would say more of a Danny DeVito esque figure. <laughs> And so, but, but, but along the lines of what you're saying, you, you made me think of it when you say knowing, like you feel the eyeballs on you, right? that you're the only different one. I think everybody needs to get out of their habitat because if it wasn't for that experience, knowing that I could not understand a word they were saying, I didn't understand them, their language. I didn't understand right. their culture. I look different. I'm taller. I'm fatter. I look weird. To, to You can feel the eyeballs and the, I don't want to say judgment, but for lack of better words, the, oh, look at that guy. Ooh, that's different. That shaped such a tremendous outlook for me along the lines of just heightening my sensitivity to, oh, now that I've felt that, what that feels like. Right. How it's changed the way that I live my life. I love that. You said normal and regular. And I think if that's what we're seeking for, then that must be how we behave. You are not, you know, I don't, it, it, it's like we need to get past this point where it's like, uh, uh, Erica Tiffany, a female leader. No, no. Erica <laughs> Tiffany, a leader. You, you right. know what I mean? Right. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know if that can happen unless what you talked about happens and we have more of these conversations and we're deliberate about having them, but also that we experience what that feels like. I think sure. you just can't replace that experience. And, and I love the business coaches that are like, you need to shift your perspective. So take your chair and move it to the corner of your room and stand <laughs> on it and look at the room. No, you got to get out. Right. And and shift the your perspective and not just see it, but you need to feel it coming back to you. I really think mm. in order for it to, because I came out of that experience in the Philippines. I remember when I got home. And the plane landed and I'm not, I could not stop crying mm. because I get into our beautiful family vehicle and I'm like, mom, they will never have this. Right. And then right. we pull up to our beautiful house and I walk in and I'm in tears again, thinking 20 right. families could live in this thing. And for the first six weeks that I got home, I couldn't sleep in my bed. It was too uncomfortable compared to the, you know, kind of bamboo slat, sure. thin mat thing that I had lived on. And so, you know, in my organization now, you know, we are hopefully making efforts 
to perpetuate the mission that you're on with Wokan, to have a diverse and inclusive. We have and and to and and to go past it. What what makes me what makes my bowels quiver is when I hear somebody say this is a diversity hire. I go <laughs> shakes my Michael shakes fist at people. We have right. members of the LGBTQ community on our team, and we have members right. who identify as whatever they identify as, and we have different cultures and ethnicities. And the one thing, the one conversation that we have constantly is this place is safe and this place is normal because that's what we're all looking for. I love it. You, you know what I mean? And and I, I just feel like, what do we do to have more of that conversation so that that is not an extra barrier on top of all of the other barriers and limitations that we give to ourselves? What's your... I've done enough talking, but what's your what's your vantage point on that? How do we get um, to normal? Well, Michael, we have to be okay with feeling uncomfortable. And that's something people aren't usually willing to do. Are you okay feeling uncomfortable? Are you okay having conversations that take you out of your comfort zone? Because it's easy for us to ignore it and, hey, how are you? I'm fine. No, I'm not fine. No, things are bothering me. No, what's happening in the news is a concern. No, my my young black son, I worry if he's going to get murdered or killed or, you know, pulled over for the wrong reason. These are things that affect me as a human being. So if you care about me as an employer, if you care about me as an emboss, then how do you see me for who I really am and the struggles that are important to me? Yesterday was a, a Muslim holiday for a lot of my employees at the dealership and they needed the time off. And one guy will make them take their day off and make them do. I said, or, or just give them the day. Right. Just give them the day. Let them go do their prayer on Friday because that's important to them. Let them take the two hours if that's what they need. They need a kosher refrigerator. So what? So what? Let's get them a refrigerator that's kosher so they don't have to have their food. Let's appreciate people for who they are. Embrace their differences. Right. And, and, and understand that it is their differences that makes them who they are. So let's see it. It's OK to see it. Just don't treat them different because of it. That's the key. And the more we can talk about and have conversations where I can say, I don't like how you made me feel. I don't like how you're having this conversation. I don't like when you talk about that woman's hair because that's my hair, right? right. When you talk about her hair and say, oh, look at that big old Afro puff. And even though it might, mine, I might have mine braided down today, that's who I am. So when you talk about her, you're talking about me, right? Those are the conversations that we're normally not able to have. And like you said, you've created an environment that's safe. So Michael, as your employee, if you unintentionally said something that offended me, can I come talk to you? Can I share with you? Will you be dismissive of it because, oh, I was just playing. It's a joke. You can't take a joke. Or can you say, I'm sorry, it wasn't intentional. And I apologize. I would never intentionally try to make you feel that way about your hair or your skin or the food that you eat or your gender or who you want to have a relationship with. And if I did, I'm sorry. And I apologize. Mm -hmm. And that's when it can become normal. And that's when you can have a woman's bathroom in the shop. My shop at Audi, we had just opened up a shop and they were putting out the floor plan. And I said, oh, this is the men's bathroom in the locker room. Where's the woman's? They're like, we're not spending money on a woman's locker room. I said, well, how will you ever have women technicians in this shop if you're not going to have a woman's locker room? Right. She's not going to go in there and change with the guys. Hello. That's what they do. Yeah. But, but it's, it's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Well, yeah. Guess what? You need to put a changing table in the men's stations. You don't think that there's dads that need to change a diaper. <laughs> these these are why you need different people in these leadership positions to make decisions that affect your community that affect your store, your employees, your customers. Man. Well, 
I don't know if I can say it enough, but I think you're tremendous. Well, thank you, Michael. And I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation. You are a shining light and um, a powerful leader. And I just think more and more people need to hear you speak. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and and so I'm so delighted that you were able to join me here on the Dealer Playbook. How can those listening get in touch with you to learn more about Wokan and, and what you do? Yes, you can see Wokan at www.wocautonetwork.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We have a private Facebook group. And listen, this is not just for women of color. Yes, we're looking for minority women, Asian women, Hispanic women, African-American women, Pacific Islander women who, who are in automotive industry or looking to get in and want to find a place and a home to be empowered. But we also need allies, right? So if you're not, if you don't represent one of those you know, minority backgrounds, that's okay. We need you to. Because guess what? You're the employees and the hiring managers and the GMs and the dealer principals that all are going to help make it happen. So these conversations can't happen with us alone. A group of minority women who can't lead in leadership and get a position upwards can't do it by ourselves. We need you. So join with us, participate, become an ally, join our meetings that we do every month. And let's start having a real conversation, right? Let's do what you said, Michael. It's like, let's stop seeing the world just through our lens and seeing ourselves. Think of a car window, right? You're looking at a car window and you see yourself, you're fixing your tie, you're putting on your makeup, you're fixing your hair because you're looking through the window and you see a reflection of you. But if you look a little bit deeper, you can see inside the window, right? See past yourself, see past your reflection and start to see what's really there. Because when you see past you, that's when we start having changes because it becomes not about you, but about those around you and how you can influence them to make serious change. So thank you so much, Michael. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.